When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hike the trail? Check. Order takeout? Check. Schedule heart checkup? Done. We've all adapted to a new way of living. Keep your health care on schedule with Johns Hopkins Medicine, where your health and safety are our highest priorities. We're ready to care for you through virtual and in-person visits across Maryland and the greater Washington region. Your health, our experts, safely caring for you. Schedule your care now. Learn more at hopkinsmedicine.org forward slash safe. Welcome to Is This Real Life, a Bravo podcast that relates the quirkiest aspects of reality TV to our own lives. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, real lifers. Welcome to episode 114. 114. I can't believe I've done 114 of these episodes. I hope you all had a all right week. <laughs> you know, there's no great weeks in 2020, but um, hope everyone's doing okay. I feel like I had a few days this week where absolutely everything just seemed to be going wrong to the point that it was almost comical. Um, my mic stopped working. Um, the recording system I used stopped working. All these different things weren't working, but hope I can bring you a nice show today. My guest this week is Sarah Galley from the podcast Andy's Girls. We chat about Potomac and some recent falls that we've had and all of the different medical interventions we've needed as a result. Um, hope you guys enjoy. We didn't recap um, the OC. We talk a little bit about why Sarah's not recapping the OC on her podcast and an article that she was featured in in Vice on why a lot of different folks in the Bravo family are not using their platforms to showcase the OC. I've said before that I'm not sure if I'm going to recap it. I think I'm going to take it on a week-by-week basis and... Um, discuss it if the guest that I have on also watches. Um, So I am watching it. I'm not necessarily watching it on Wednesday nights, but I did see this week's episode and have to tell you that I am just very moved by Bronwyn's storyline about sobriety. I know that we've seen this um, a few times on Bravo, but I don't think we've ever seen it this real and this raw because the cameras are capturing Bronwyn in her first few days days of sobriety. It's um, truly uh, like tugs at my heart um, just to see her struggle. And it's very 
interesting to watch as a viewer as someone who knows people struggling with alcoholism and who wants to have a better understanding of how to be supportive to them, to their family members. I just, I'm really looking forward to watching her journey. And for those of you who haven't yet listened, I do encourage you to listen to the interview that she did with Lala Kent and Randall on Lala's podcast, Give Them Lala with Randall, because she goes in a bit more detail about her history of alcohol abuse and how long she's really known there's been a problem. And then exactly the role that Bravo and Evolution Media played in her getting sober. So encourage you guys to listen to that if you get a chance. And some random fun news. I got a text today. I'm recording this on Saturday uh, from a friend of mine, Parker, who brings his little daughter to a playground in Arlington on the weekends. And he's been seeing, you know, some of the same parents and kids, um, you know, week after week. And there's this one mom and her son that he usually chats with and the kids kind of sort of play together from a little bit of a distance. And he only realized today that it was Ashley Darby and baby Dean. So he he let me know. He's like, I think I've been hanging out with Ashley Darby for the last few weeks. <laughs> he doesn't watch the show. Uh, but I thought that was was really sweet. I really am liking Ashley this season. Anyway, you guys can follow me on social media at ITRL underscore podcast. And if you like the podcast, go on Apple Podcasts and give me a five-star rating or write something nice. If you don't like it, just don't listen. You don't have to write a mean review. Um, (laughs) And... Finally, if you have not already, uh, I encourage you to vote in the United States election if you are able to. There's just so much on the ballot. It's not just the presidency. It's, you know, Senate seats, uh, congressional seats, judges, um, education boards. There's so much. And um, you deserve to get your voice heard. Okay, I'll get off my soapbox. Now it's time for my chat with Sarah Galley. Hi, everyone. I am here with Sarah Galley, host of Andy's Girls, a podcast that discusses the housewives through the lens of psychology, often called the people's people's couch. Thank you so much for being here. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm good. I'm so excited to have you because I feel like we have a lot in common. So we're both Bravo lovers. Um, We both like to make the housewives political. Mm. <laughs> we're both Jewish and we both have had falls that require medical <laughs> intervention. <laughs> uh, the most important for your audience. <laughs> so you were telling me, or you were just saying before that you fell recently mm-hmm. and you had to go to the dentist and something's going on with your nose. Like mm-hmm. what happened? So I, um, tripped over a box of snacklins. It's very important that you know the brand of paleo um, snack food that isn't giving me any kind of anything. Although I should reach out to them because it turns out that $40 package might cost me like between twelve dollars and $15,000. Um, so I was carrying a computer that thank God I don't own um, tea and water, just multitasking as one does and didn't notice that I walk on a floor and I chipped over, tripped over a 
box and like it was the longest fall of my life like while falling I thought like oh this is gonna be terrible for me (laughs) and I buffered the fall with cushioned it with my nose and teeth at the same time and then the computer so I hit my face twice it was like the fall and then I think it was the computer that hit me the second time I actually don't know so I hit it like right on the front of my nose and my teeth. So I went to the dentist the next day and my teeth are fine. He's like, you also need to get a night guard. I was like, wow, this is just really, we're just hitting on all cylinders, really trying to punish me, (laughs) punish me in this moment. Shout out to Dr. Muhammad, my favorite person. And then I went to an ENT and he was like, um, you have a deviated septum. It may or may not be from this. I don't think it is. Uh, or actually, if Blue Cross Blue Shield is listening, it 100% is. <laughs> and um, I am, quote unquote, having trouble breathing, which apparently helps if I am able to file a successful insurance claim. So anyway, it looks like if I get surgery, it will be a septorhinoplasty as opposed to a rhinoplasty, which people of our religion typically get at some yes. point between high school and senior year of college. And so I didn't want to be in that percentage. I didn't want to be the Jew that gets a nose job. I said to my mother, I was like, I have grandma Jean's nose and I no longer have it. Like I always had a schnoz, but it was flat. It was great. It had character. And now I have a fucking like hook Disney villain situation. And I've been to my auntie a couple of times. I actually have to email him tomorrow uh, to maybe get some imaging and he essentially was like, this is what you need to get done. Um, yada, yada, yada. So now I have to find a fucking reconstructive plastic surgeon. Oh and my God. My insurance is like, I pay $930 a month just to have my card. That's just my monthly premium is $930 a month. So oh. no, no reconstructive anything. Like I went on bluecross.com and it was like, go fuck yourself.org. Like there was absolutely no way of any kind of anything getting covered. And so, you know, I've been in touch with Leah, who I'm friendly with on social and have her doctor's info. And, you know, I just have to set up some appointments, but I was on a, on a zoom with my psychiatrist last night, which in the nose was like 95% of the appointment. And I was like, I was like, I love that. It's like the most, Jewish was, statement I've heard was, in a very oh long my time. God. I was literally, I'm like leaning into the Zoom listeners. I was leaning into the Zoom and giving her profile while showing her old photos. Like we were just, that's exactly what I needed. And so I was like, Dr. K, keep it real for me. I've done a lot of research. How fucked am I financially? I was like, how much is this? Because my dentist gave me a number that he thought I have my own research. And she was like, well, I think it's going to be like 10 to... And I said, what? And she's like, 10 to, and I said, oh, one, five, 10 to 15, because that's, that is a number that I have heard. I think she actually said 12 to 15. And then she goes like, and I said, what are you saying? And she goes, five, zero, 10 to $50,000. <gasps> and I said, for a fucking nose job that's essentially available the second I open a Torah like what the fuck are you talking about and she goes there's a market for it she's like people will pay 50,000 and now it all makes sense now the houses that Terry Dubrow contract yes it has never made sense to me how much money they have and now I get it if you are able to 
I mean, welcome to capitalism. If you are able to bill someone for a service that they are willing to pay, God bless. And my guess is there is a tier of ultra, ultra elite plastic surgeons who are truly able to charge that and have a list of people who want to pay it. So, you know, God bless. My nose hurts right now. What can I tell you? Is it broken? Well, so that's the thing is my psych is like, he never did it. My auntie, who's very cute, which is problem number one, because I am very, I get giggly and I'm like, I lose focus. And so then no, there was no imaging done, but he did like a full thing. Um, but it like hurts right now. Like literally I just put my face down and it, there's pressure on my nose. And so yeah, my psych yeah, she, and it's a whole thing like this, the tip of my nose is like longer and it's a little loosey goosey. Like it feels like there's nothing literally like holding, holding it, together. it together. So she's like, there might be some ligament shit. And since I have uh, chronic health stuff, I have like a ton of different MRIs, like brain MRIs, whatever. And so she's like, you should have him look at that, get new imaging and look at the difference between when you got a brain MRI a couple years ago and now and see if it's like, if there this is, is even a nose there anymore. Wild. I mean, I thought my fall was bad and it, no, it was two years ago. I fell walking my dog. She was a puppy at the time. And I um, hit the ground with my left hand and my teeth and my two front teeth chipped. Um, one was probably worse than a chip. It was like broken. Um, and I was so focused on the fact that I was missing part of my teeth that I didn't really focus on anything else. And so I went to my dentist the next day. He added like, what are they called? Binding, bonding to it okay. to like recreate okay. the tooth. So he said, but at some point we may need to get veneers because, you know, they may, the, the binding might come off. So like, Every few months, maybe three to four months, it would come off in something. And I avoided like I couldn't eat apples. I like avoided anything with like caramel or anything sticky. But this past January, I was in New York City having a wonderful bagel and it came out in the bagel. And I was like, this is anti-Semitic at this point. Like, (laughs) And I went to the dentist and was like, I don't know what to do. I can't not eat bagels. I've cut out all these other foods. Was it toasted? What was the, it was just chewy. It was where did toasted. You go? Did you go to H and H? Where did you go? I don't know. It was important. in Brooklyn near where my brother lives and he, he no. was in Cobble Hill. Oh, okay. So they were probably good. They were probably good. They were, oh, it was so good. It was this place that like specialized in like white fish and stuff when my brother's vegetarian. I love white fish. I'm like, (laughs) I love it. And so I like basically the, um, my dentist, who I also am very close with throughout all of these experiences, (laughs) he, um, ended up saying, you know what? I have enough imaging from your teeth that I actually think your insurance will cover it. Like your teeth are broken. And so they covered 80% of my two front teeth getting veneers. How much was that? I'm so jealous. For me, I only paid $800. Ah, See, this is what's so upsetting to me is I can't even feel good for you. I'm just immediately upset. Immediately (laughs) upset. I never, that never happened to me. My insurance is a dick. I highly don't go to, if God bless Obamacare, it's the only reason I'm insured because I'm self-employed, but yeah. Fuck them. Yeah. Cigna, like totally. They were like, yeah, those teeth look whacked. We'll pay 80%. And so they paid my dentist like $3,600 and I only paid 800. 
see, we need single payer insurance and that insurance yes. name is going to be called Sarah's insurance. And I'm going to dictate <laughs> all the rules and terms and it's going to be free for me and tons for you guys. Now I'm have top, top notch care. The okay. funnier thing was I was so focused on my teeth. This was like two years oh, long, right? right of a process. Broke I broke wrist. my wrist. Yeah. Didn't notice for and like the adrenaline. I'm sure. Well over a week though. Like you think after like so basically what happened is I realized I couldn't use my left hand for any purpose. Like I couldn't wash my hair with it. I couldn't open like the refrigerator door. I couldn't like hold a cup of coffee. I couldn't twist anything open. And you weren't like, wow, maybe. I, yeah. So I like, finally, I was like, I was like Googling it and every single answer was like, see an orthopedic okay. surgeon. So I went to an orthopedic surgeon and they like was someone that like sees hands and he was like, you, I, you may have broken one of these like super small bones that you can't see in an x-ray. So he sent me for a CT scan Okay. and, um, I ran into Supreme court justice, Elena Kagan, getting her mammogram <gasps> at the same place. I was oh getting my, my CT scan. Do you say hi? So what do you do in that situation? Are you like, you're the best? Did you wink or are you no, like, so I've, I see her every once in a while, but sometimes we go to the same synagogue. So like Ruth Bader Ginsburg, I would see sometimes like places, you know, yeah. and so, um, no, I didn't say anything, but it was like, she was coming out of the mammogram room. Yeah. There's no way to, there's, there's not, there's, there's nothing no inappropriate spin. to say yeah, at that point, you know, yeah, like they, they, loved they your judgment. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was broken. And, you know, I was in a cast for a couple months and had to do some like weird stuff, but no surgery, but no, great. that was amazing. So yeah. I Anyways, mean, medical sagas. <laughs> I do have to say, just as a little sidebar, I've only broken that I know of. I mean, literally, who's to say? But I've only broken a bone in my body once, which was a a sign that I am like extremely Jewish because I was picked in my age group to be on like a panel to pick the new junior rabbi at my temple in Providence, Rhode Island. And there was some sort of meeting and I was sitting crisscross applesauce and I got up from the meeting and my foot was asleep and I like leaned over on it and broke it. And the rabbi who was there, so I like got get taken to like the admin office or whatever the fuck at the um, temple. The rabbi looks at him, he's like, oh, it's really fucked. This isn't high school. He's like, oh, it's really fucked up. And then I showed him the non-injured foot and he was like, oh, I don't actually know anymore because I have <laughs> extremely big feet. I've always had huge feet. And so, and they didn't know I had to go to, I, I don't know if I went to the ER or whatever. I'm sure I did with my mother. And then they, I think I went back. I had to go back a couple times because they were like, it's such a small fracture. Your yeah, metal, whatever. Metatarsal bones. Yeah. It Ugh. was, it was tough. I didn't even have, I had crutches because I sort of insisted on them because right, I, when you're like, in high school, it's like oh, the I cute boys will like carry your bucks if you have just for the, for the theatrics of it was really yeah. a priority, but they did make me go and get one of those, what is it? It's like a fucking steel toed boot or whatever. It's yeah. I had a panic attack. I refused to wear them. I was like, I care less about <laughs> the future of my foot and more about fashion to wear these godforsaken um, shoes, which I ended up wearing. Oh my God. There we go. Shalom. Shalom. Show broken bones. Hello. So goodbye. And peace. <laughs> my God. Well, I want to dive into some of the housewife stuff. So what a turn, what a turn. <laughs> um, and I don't know which, okay, let's actually start by talking about Erica Jane this week. Okay. So brands by Bravo posted this really cute pink ladies meme because Robin was wearing the same pink blazer dress that 
Erica Jane and Lisa Rinna wore during this past season of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And she had like this pink ladies meme from Greece Mm -hmm. and Erica Jane reposted it, but didn't credit Brands by Bravo. So then Brands by Bravo was like, hey, like, thanks so much for sharing this. I almost died. Um, But like, could you credit me? I made it. And then Erica Jane just dug her heels in and kept fighting with brands by Bravo with like basically anyone who was against her in the comments. What the hell is wrong with Erica? I mean, I think she falls into like the unfortunate delusion that comes with fame where she thinks that because at one point people were like, yes, queen, that that means that she's literally taking the whole zero fucks philosophy to the nth degree and thinks being a dick to the people who amplify her role in Housewives, you know, tag her in things, keep her in the conversation. She thought that was a good idea, which was a strategic bad move. On top of that, whomever is running her social had the day off and Erica Jane was not understanding the difference between an original photograph, which was taken by Kyle, versus a photo treatment, which Bravo TV did, Versus a meme, which Brands by Bravo did, where they accurately from the jump tagged Bravo TV because Bravo TV came up with this whole pink heavenly thing. And then Brands by Bravo created this whole concept of it being a spin on Greece. So Erica thought, because again, her social media had the day off, which I'm sure will never happen again, um, that since Kyle took the original photo that truly nobody cares about that somehow that made Kyle the owner of everything that followed which is just incorrect but and it's something that I tried to explain to her very respectfully in the comments by saying like because I actually I understood that it was her communicating I understood that she didn't know the difference between a meme and a photo and I understood that she thought she was being dragged and was being hyper defensive about it so I tried to very respectfully be like just to clarify, here's here are all the players in this game. And this is why asking for credit when you're taking somebody's meme and not attributing it to them is not uncommon, but it's respectful to tag that person once they let you know that it's them. Like she gets so many tagged in so much shit and I'm sure it's confusing or whatever, but she didn't appreciate my little like, education hour she appreciated anyone's education hour and she's since said some stuff that's actually troubling to me not like super troubling but just like annoying where she's like wow you guys have I forget you're gonna remember this but like something along the lines of like uh you guys have a lot of energy hope you have that you know on November 3rd but I'm sure you won't like some sort of bullshit like you guys are angry at me for a reason I don't understand and I'm tying that to voter apathy in the upcoming deadly serious (laughs) presidential election which is such an Erica move because it's just so fucking dumb and it's also like Erica you've been asleep at the wheel in Beverly Hills since your second season. So maybe focus your ire, uh, not against the people in the Bravo community who frankly do you a favor you don't necessarily deserve and more on doing anything during filming, which she's, which she's in the middle of now. So it's just, she's a waste <sighs> and Brands by Bravo got over 10,000 new followers in 24 hours and God bless them. And it all worked out in the sense that nobody cares. Ugh, you know, like the mess. end of the day, it's like, 
It's ever it. What was important is that everybody in the Bravo community rallied around brands, and that's awesome. And anybody listening should listening should follow them. Um, Definitely. And that's kind of where we are. It was just so stupid. It was like so dumb and so funny for the day that it lasted, just in the sense of like people burying her and her completely not getting it. Um, but then it's like off to, you know, focus on other people. You also were um, featured in a Vice article that came out this week um, that was uh, basically Real Housewives fan accounts are boycotting the new season of Real Housewives of Orange County. I know we don't want to spend too much time chatting about it, but I thought it was interesting that what has been going on with Kelly Dodd and just, you know, her COVID denialism and her mocking the Black Lives Matter movement Mm -hmm. has led to so many people, it's not just like being offended, but being like, you know what? I don't want to consume this anymore. And I was just shocked that it um, got to the level that it's being written about, you know, and I'm glad somewhat. I mean, I was talking to Moni today about it and she said she was shocked that it got to this point and that Bravo still hasn't said anything about it. And I'm just wondering if they're biding their time until the season's over, you know, I'm not really sure why they're doing what they're doing. I'm sure there's some sort of like public relations 101 book that I don't understand that they're following. Mm -hmm. But I also thought that ever since this summer, that public relations books 101 were all kind of thrown out because they had failed. (laughs) Well, they were edited, hopefully, with some sort of appendix. And the problem with Bravo is that like when Nickelodeon does a better job of addressing the Black Lives Matter movement than Bravo does, like when VH1 does, there's sort of a problem there. And it feels like they're doing this thing where they're trying to have it both ways, where they have decided that to be anti-racist, actively anti-racist is to take a side. So they're like, okay, if we don't say anything and we also monetize Kelly's role on the show, So that because, you know, it's so terrible, we'll maybe drum up ratings, but we're not going to in any way counter it with anything. And we're not going to call it out because we're afraid of upsetting like the MAGA audience. You've sort of lost from the start because you've decided that to be anti-racist is to be a political choice instead of like basic humanity. Um, So... You know, I wasn't surprised by the vice thing. I do have to say that I have never been involved in a boycott of Orange County. So the title of it had me a little because I've, yeah. ne- I've, I've clearly stated on multiple episodes of Andy Scrolls that I don't encourage a boycott. I would never sign one, a, a petition calling for a boycott. I think that in the time of COVID, if watching Orange County brings you joy or escape or whatever, you should 100% do it. I'm, I've always said that just for my own self-care, I made a decision not to watch this season of Orange County, but I also have said, repeatedly that as a grown-ass woman, I have the right to change my mind if I decide to watch it later on. But for now, really, you know, it's all about just not amplifying, using my time to amplify Orange County, which is, to me, more a reaction of the network silence than it is even of Kelly's behavior, because I Mm -hmm. think this is her last season regardless. She's way too polarizing. And I think when she's let go, it's not going to be because of this. I think it's just going to be because she's toxic. 
Um, and that's unfortunate, but the network is doing what they do best, which is not holding themselves as accountable as they market themselves to be, you know? Yeah. So what can you do? I like what you said about changing your mind though. Um, and just in general about things, like, I think it's like so important to like acknowledge when you're wrong or acknowledge Mm -hmm. that maybe you can see things differently now. And I actually think I've been changing my mind a bit on some stuff with Potomac Mm -hmm. after listening to, um, Rachel Wilkerson Miller on your Mm -hmm. podcast this week. Mm And actually, I had a listener reach out and said, you know, Mandy, I think you're being really harsh on Monique. And I think a lot of it has to do with your own personal. um, So background is I loved Monique. She was my favorite, her and Karen on Potomac, like since she came on the scene. But then this past summer, I found out that she is a bit of an anti-vaxxer and she (laughs) follows some QAnon accounts. And I have a pretty hard line with that. And so I was pretty What are the QAnon accounts? Well, the person that she followed, um, no longer, her name was Liz. Oh my God. What's her last name? Elizabeth She, QAnon. she got kicked off of Instagram and the only two housewives oh. that followed her. So all she did was promote conspiracy theories about child human trafficking and, <laughs> oh, no! and, She's the, one of those. and the only two housewives that followed her were yeah. Monique Samuels and Emily okay. Simpson. Yeah, that's ones that I liked a lot. So I was pretty disappointed. So I think, you know, the, the listener that reached out was like, I think you're like taking that and you're being a little harsher, applying it to Monique in the Monique Candace thing, which I think is actually probably true. Um, but I feel like it's possible to think that what Monique did in the moment was bad and Mm -hmm. wish that she had been more regretful, Mm -hmm. but also realize that the whole respectability politics conversation, Mm -hmm. I probably should have sat with that longer Mm -hmm. before commenting on it. Like I've, it's just not okay. And it doesn't matter who does it, like who's Mm -hmm. saying, Hey, you're actually bringing us down. Um, you know, it usually does come from black women to other black women. Right. Yeah. As a result of, as a result of systemic racism. Yeah. And so, yeah. I don't know. I feel bad that Monique was put in that situation. I really do. And I feel like I can see a bit more after this episode of seeing how Candace reacted with trying to get her charged and mm-hmm. even saying that she wanted her to go to jail, which is like a whole other like mm-hmm. issue. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like I am starting to see what people are saying about Monique. In, sorry, say that part again. Starting I, to see I, what, people what people are saying in the sense about of what? supporting Monique. Like okay. she made a bad decision mm-hmm. that shouldn't, care, you know, color mm-hmm. her, and like that shouldn't be the basis of who she mm-hmm. is. Oh, yeah, of course. Absolutely. You know, it was just hard for me because I realized that I have a very different line than a lot mm-hmm. of other people do on violence. I and mean. I believe that any form of physical violence is mm-hmm. bad and is mm-hmm. worse than any terrible thing someone could yell at you like that's I think the majority of, of I don't people, know there's I a lot a, of people I think a lot of people agree with that I would say that a lot of people are, which isn't to you know disassociate Candace from responsibility and her participation in you know um yeah aggressing Monique I would say probably more off camera than on to the extent that Monique felt like she had no other way to 
communicate her anger than in, you know, a physical act, you know, like I, I don't know. I think it's super complicated. I think um, it's like also a little bit of a chicken and egg thing for me when it comes to the timing. And I, yes, I have to like really sit on that. And I've talked with um, people who are like closer to the inside than I am about the timing related to all this. Cause I find it confusing and I'm probably just like too, I, I don't think I'm going to like do a Google investigation, but like the timing of all of this is very, the narrative that we're seeing on camera, it, it is so important to know the exact timing and I don't have a sense of it. And so that changes my perspective, I think a little bit too, Yeah, you know, what's hard is I feel like Candace wants us as the viewer to see what's on our screen and judge mm-hmm. according to that. Exactly. And Monique wants exactly. us to think about all of the things that happened off screen mm-hmm. that she is now sharing with us via Instagram lives, mm-hmm. via sharing emails from Candace's attorney and wanting us to connect the dots ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I'm not used to doing that. <laughs> Well, it's tricky because in many it's ways hard. we can only go off of what we're seeing on screen because for a lot of like podcasters and whomever, that's really, when it comes to the reunion, I think, you know, it's going to be incredibly important to understand the receipts of all of this, noting that when someone brings out receipts and timestamps, there are completely varying, different varying levels of success in translating that not only to Andy, but to the audience. So you know, we'll see. I have, nobody's right in this, I think, but Mm -hmm. also nobody is totally wrong. And when it comes to like different persons, so, you know, growing up in a household with a litigator dad, um, the idea of litigation for the sake of litigation is not necessarily surprising to me. And frankly, no one should be terribly surprised that any kind of anything was done. And if the purpose of what Candace was doing was like filing a claim so that filing or filing a police report rather. So because she was probably correctly advised by whichever attorney that she is using that, um, you know, you have to file that police report in order to go to the next step with like whatever kind of civil yada yada that she wants to do. I don't think that's completely insane to do. What I do think is when we're having this conversation to try to understand when Monique posted the tweets that she did, where it was like a wink and a smile about the altercation and when the actual report was filed, because it sounds like it was much less time in between than what we're seeing on camera. And I just have to think like, Monique probably could have saved herself a lot of time with billable hours had she apologized to Candace between the altercation, when the altercation happened and when Candace went to the police, I think that would have alleviated stuff. But I understand why she didn't because it took her a second to reflect on this and realize that her defense of saying physical and verbal are the same is wrong. You know, it took, yeah. it's just really, I don't think it's wild. I think a lot of people are like, how dare she go to the police? I don't think that's wild in the sense that I think she was thinking ahead to civil, but and yeah. I also think 
doubling down on that, that had Monique apologized in a relatively timely manner through any kind of representative, it didn't need to be to Candace directly, but through a mediator, um, it might have saved her from everything that followed, you know? Yeah. She claims that she and her and her lawyer reached out to Candace's lawyer to try and sit down. And yeah, that- when did she send that? She put some Instagram. When did that happen? It seemed like it was, let me check. It seemed like it was like a week later though. Like that's like October 23rd, maybe. See, this is what's so complicated about it. And also it's like engrossing. Yeah. It, it, you know, it's hard to know what I thought was not great with Candace was not that she filed it, but when the prosecutor talked to her, um, and said, you know, how do you want us to handle this? Mm-hmm. That she said, I want you to prosecute to the full ex- extent of the <laughs> yeah, law. Like that it's was the part insane. that was ridiculous. Like these people have so many bigger issues to deal with. And, you know, to say that you want Monique to have consequences, but that those consequences should be jail time is absolutely absurd. No, that's completely insane. Um, and <laughs> so, so, so part for the course for Candace though. Right. And also like, seems like her mom is really supportive of charges being brought when there's any kind of physical altercation. Wonder if that purse is under arrest, because I remember people making a joke of her mom hitting her in public at a function and everyone LOLing over something that I thought was very serious and concerning. I know. And just an added level of abuse or just strange fucking relationship shit between the two of them. So for both of them to be like, God forbid someone touches my blessed child when it's like, sweetie, you've done the same thing. Maybe not for as long a period of time. And maybe you chose an accessory, not including her hair, but, uh, you <laughs> know, it's super so surprising. Do you think that, I mean, I have assumed based on what Candace has said about her relationship with her mom, that her mom hit her growing up. Like as part of discipline. Oh, I don't know. I have no idea. I just wondered if this provoked something from her childhood or something because she just seems so shook by it. And I get it was bad. It was like really scary. But the post-it notes like you're okay and all of that. Yeah, I think that kind of trauma can happen with like emotional and psychological stuff. I think especially Mm -hmm. if your mom is a therapist and is using that as her weapon of choice. I think so. Using Mm -hmm. therapeutic terms in which to shame a child. That's Mm -hmm. not exactly the person I would give my copay um, had I found out. (laughs) But, you know, and you don't get to choose who your parents are. When it comes to the physical stuff, I honestly, I have no idea. And I also think for better or worse, like parents choose different ways to yada yada and my generation I am very young and very cool but my generation was probably the last one (laughs) that's a joke my generation is the last one where maybe parents were like you know kick the shit out of you maybe I think it sort of started to become no bueno at some point like yeah, right I mean, there's like three <laughs> decades of, of like very clear pediatric research on the trauma that can happen as a result of like oh, any yeah. sort of like harsh punishment. But okay, let's go back to copays for a second. Yeah, into it. So what do you think about the copay for Dr. Donna Schwartz, the therapist for um, Michael Darby and Ashley Darby? 
remind me what it was. Sorry. So they went to go see. So I'm just kind of jumping around a bit. So in one of the kind of beginning scenes of this week's Potomac, they go to marriage counseling. Mm-hmm. And at marriage counseling, they discuss Michael's indiscretion. They mm-hmm. say they don't really have or haven't had a traditional marriage, but you know, Ashley wants that to be different now. She's worried about this happening again with Michael. Um, she doesn't want to do any more threesomes. And he says the baby's created restrictions. Mm-hmm. And then Donna asks Michael if he understands why this happened. And he said his dad. Or and he says, yeah, he talks about his father, says the baby pushed him out a little and he feels complete <laughs> isolation to which Ashley is, of childbirth. My God. is uh, surprised. And then she holds his hand. He says his father caused severe emotional distress. And when things aren't good, he goes into his shell and then does things he shouldn't do to feel good about himself. Yeah. It's like they lose me at the idea where they're talking about non-traditional marriage, because I don't necessarily understand what that has to do with any of this, aside from the fact that like they have opened up their marriage before god bless i don't know what that has to do with cheating because if you're opening your marriage and you're both two consenting adults great what does that have to do with him stepping out on ashley which is totally different it's like one of these strange things where she's bringing it in she's like just so you know like i'm opening up about this thing like great good to know great you know conversation starter but i don't know what that has to do with michael cheating on you being caught in photos and video in his underwear, yes, and then talking about how like things got out of hand, but he like fell asleep and she's pregnant with baby number two. Like we all assume, (laughs) really? And then this weekend, you know, another video comes out of him actually, you can see the physical evidence of him assaulting a member of the production. It's just like, I don't, this is weird. It's just so weird. And like, what do inviting someone into your boot like what does that have to do with anything like why is I think it's talking about that well I think Ashley's trying to explain to her to Ashley why Michael may have gotten confused right she's trying to explain um, to herself she's trying to yes that's what I think she's trying to do she's doing a great job because they're expecting another kid so you know because I think she wants to be like well we we did all these fun things and then you know I had this baby and then he continued doing the fun thing and like maybe I didn't wasn't clear enough like I feel like she blames herself Mm -hmm. for anything that he does and so when she keeps saying it Mm -hmm. like she's the one that keeps bringing up that they have an an untraditional marriage as if Mm -hmm. it's an excuse and a reason Mm -hmm. why he strayed as if Mm -hmm. like, well, this isn't really out. Like she's trying to put it on par and it, and it's not. And I think it would be hard for a therapist to try and understand, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I, if I was sitting there and I was like, you know, Donna Schwartz, I'd be like, huh, (laughs) you know what I mean? It was, it was complicated. I did look her up. She is in DC in Foggy Bottom, not too far from me. And she seems like no, she seems like legitimate. Um, She has like a website which says Mm -hmm. that she does different types of like marital counseling and Mm -hmm. other types of counseling, and just seems like a regular actual therapist. (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting how therapists are used on Housewives. Sometimes it feels Mm -hmm. like they're used as like a one episode coach where it's like, tell me about your situation and I'll diagnose it and give you a treatment plan and send you along your way. And so it's hard to know with these people, understandably so, but it's hard to know with these people, like, is this someone that you are actually um, interested in you know, having as a part of some sort of like proactive plan 
uh, for longer than your shooting schedule, because I think that helps in understanding like what the purpose of being there is, as well as how to unpack all the layers of stuff that Michael has piled on top of, you know, cheating on his wife or stepping out or, or just having compulsive behavioral ideas that have, that are out of, um, you know, that are outside of Ashley's comfort zone, you know? That Michael is something else, but. I really, he really is really successful guy, allegedly in business. Like it's always interesting to figure out who actually has money. And it seems like I think he, he does. really does. And I, I mean, can't wait for her to get her fair share of it, you know, know. cash out. Although that um, restaurant that he had in Arlington was not that amazing. Oh, Oz? Yeah. I didn't think Oz was great. Well, the concept was quite bad. Like, no one goes to Australia for food. Like, no one's like, oh, Australia food. You know what I mean? Like, that's the kind of cuisine. It just, the whole concept was a little weird. It was. I mean, who wants to go to like a happy hour and eat kangaroo? Oh, that was bizarre. Remember when she brought it to watch what happens live and she was like, take a bite thinking you would love it. And poor sweet Andy was like, this is. Awful. Not yeah. Like, I can't even choke it down. Like, that was a tough moment. <laughs> that was a tough moment for Ashley's business journey. I fell for her then. I fell for her then. Oh, Ashley. Um, so I'm liking Ashley a lot more this season, but I am mm-hmm. loving Robin. I've always mm. loved Robin, but like there's something about Robin, just like just being so herself, mm-hmm. you know, that I love mm-hmm. and seeing her at Juan's game. Like it was just that like, you know, few seconds of her like dancing with like what the cheerleader was Loved. doing and like Juan walks over and was like laughing at her. They just seem like they're in a good place. And I, yeah, you know. I want to get to know Robin more separate from Giselle. I think that's to Robin's benefit and our own. I want to mm-hmm. see her as like her own person. Cause she's so, um, think everyone can empathize with Robin and she's so likable like she's a genuinely likable person who doesn't seem to be affected by housewives in the ways that we sort of see aside from her hat collection but um you know I'd like to see more of her more of her as her own person which I think would be you know really amazing what do you think of Dr. Wendy I think she was great casting. I may be wrong in this, but I always thought she was introduced and currently presents herself as somebody who could fill the space left when Candace leaves, likely not of her own volition at the end of this season. So I like somebody who's like pretty reactive just in, I don't like (laughs) die. I don't stand for them, but I think it's a great casting choice. And she's done some stuff that's bewildering and makes no sense. And I also love her husband and sister and his family stuff is like really interesting. The fact that he like texts his mom. Fascinating. Like, yeah, there's a lot to text his mom so that she can get the notice out to the rest of the family was mm-hmm. also interesting. So they have the sip and see for their daughter mm-hmm. and they do this like traditional, um, like, you know, head tie ceremony mm-hmm. and everything. And it looked so fun, mm-hmm. but it broke my heart that he reached out and that his, not only did he not get a text back, but like no one else in the family came. Yeah. It's that's that whole dynamic is really, um, fascinating like the fact that it's essentially a duel between parents 
of these adult children who are seemingly unwilling to make amends for the sake of their adult children who PS are now having children who you would think, you know, would want to have a relationship with their grandparents. And it's just like, there's a lot of emotional trauma that's being passed between generations Mm -hmm. and it's unfortunate. And I think, you know, you can see Wendy understanding her husband's pain as he's like talking through this stuff. And I think it's really serious and really sad. And I hope that they're able to figure out a way to coexist, even if it's a once a year, come over for dinner, see the kids and then skadoodle, you know? I know, but that's just not how, at least they're talking about how their families are like as Nigerian families who are very close where there's like this strong matriarch and they, they follow the matriarch, Mm -hmm. you know, it just seems like the boundaries it's either like you're in or you're out. And that is just so tough. I mean, I think it is, but I also think it's obviously not working. And I think that just because that is a sensibility culturally doesn't mean that it's not also creating a lot of harm that one would hope they would value more. Um, I don't know necessarily how to correct it. I do think it starts with his mom and her mom figuring out a way to meet and say like, you know, here are the problems we have with each other. Can we meet a middle ground? Because if culturally the family and the matriarch is so important, these people are going to look at his mom and her mom to get permission to interact with their relatives. So use that to the advantage of healing the rift, you know, but, or don't, (laughs) it's like one of those, or, or just don't, which is probably more likely. Oh man. I thought it was so funny though, when Robin shows up and everyone else is late. And I mm-hmm. thought to myself, this is a Nigerian event. Why are you going on time? And then it's exactly what Wendy said. <laughs> I was like, My hours. <laughs> I could not attend. That yeah. is wild. And I to don't, me. it's kind of a common thing. I would say just outside the U S in general, mm-hmm. like, I don't mm-hmm. think this is a Nigerian thing. Mm-hmm. Um, like I lived for a bit in South Africa mm. and, um, they would like, I would always show up to things and be hours early. And I didn't realize that like, there's sort of like windows, like nothing is like as clear, mm-hmm. like there's not like starting times and ending times for everything. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's just like a very different mentality. Right. And and I've known that people who've come, you know, immigrated to the U S sometimes, so they don't have it in their work life. Right. Because Mm -hmm. they go to work on time, but in their social life, Mm -hmm. it often like, like progress, like, yeah, it's just like so funny. And I also lived in Bangladesh and remember like, just there was never a clear like time that like you had to be somewhere when it was like an evening thing, like you sort of showed up, but like, And I don't know how much of it also has to do with the fact that in a lot of other places, like traffic Mm. is like so complex. Like when I I lived Mm -hmm. in Dhaka, Bangladesh, it's one of the most crowded places in the entire world. It could take you three hours to get somewhere. I mean, people say LA is bad. It is nothing compared (laughs) to like, (laughs) I mean, there would be like goats on the road. There'd be rickshaws. There'd be like people walking. There'd be a bus. Like it, it was insane. So that just made me laugh because it was like Robin being on time and I I just loved it. Now I was kind of shocked to see Candace show up with Dorothy, her mother and her husband, Chris, because no one else seemed to bring a spouse with them. 
It just seems like a a weird dynamic. That is a really good point. Why did she bring Chris? I mean, maybe she felt like she needed the emotional support. Maybe she felt like I need to walk in there and know that I absolutely, without a doubt, have this person in my corner. Now, Sharice was also apparently there and Mm -hmm. completely edited out of the episode. Brutal. (laughs) I mean, poor sweet Sharice and that champagne room we will never see again. I mean, tough. Tough, tough, um, tough. And so they're on the way to the event and they find out that Monique is charged with second degree assault. Mm-hmm. And you can mm-hmm. tell, I don't know, I feel like Giselle is having a little too much fun with it. She's mm-hmm. laughing. She's like reading, you know, they could get, she get five years in prison or something like that. Um, and so they kind of start discussing the charges mm-hmm. and Robin was like, you know, is the goal for her to go to jail? And Candace says the goal is for the court system to do what the court system needs to do. And then Giselle points out, well, jail's a lot. And Robin said, yeah, like we don't want her going to jail. And Candace says, we don't. And yeah, I forgot all ooh, of this. It oh was like God. so dark. Mm-hmm. Sarah, it was so dark to see her. I need her, to rewatch it. To Ugh. see her, to see Candace want something because she kept saying throughout the entire episode, there needs to be consequences as if the consequences have to be in some way, shape or form, like legal, right? You don't think that Monique is going to suffer consequences from what happened to her when this airs on TV. You don't think this is going to like, like, I feel like she has this idea of what consequences are and that they have to happen quickly. Well, and I think they probably have to be as punitive as possible because my guess is that Candace was like, she needs to be fired and production said no, you know? So she's like, she needs to go to jail because the actual thing I really want to happen, you guys won't do. So, you know, there's a little bit of production maybe involved in that, you know? And then, you know, Ashley points out, well, this did start from a yelling match on both sides. Like I heard you guys yelling Mm -hmm. from the bathroom and I think everyone's a little bit frustrated that Ashley's talking about this because she Mm -hmm. wasn't there to witness it, which is Mm -hmm. true. But then this is the most wild thing Mm -hmm. I thought I've seen in a while on Housewives. Mm -hmm. Candace accuses Ashley of being paid by Mm -hmm. Monique to support her. Do you think that she really was being literal when she said that? I need to rewatch She said it more than once. And it gave me like these sort of like George Soros conspiracy vibes. Like when people are like, they're paying the protesters. It's Mm -hmm. like, like, where are you coming up with this? Yeah. Why on earth? And then of course, when Ashley is like, I'm married to a millionaire. Why would I need to get paid? You know what I need to be paid for. Mm -hmm. And then Candace says not for long. And that's when Chris steps in and is like, shut up, Mm -hmm. shut your mouth. Stop Mm -hmm. talking. Mm -hmm. Which. I usually don't like a husband talking to their wife like that, but like you could tell that was the only way he could get her to stop. Oh yeah. I loved it. I, was I like, loved Do it. it. Yeah. You're the only one to like get her to stop shut in. the fuck it up. Was yeah. I think it was necessary. So un- it was so wild. And I really want to yeah. like unpack this more when they have the reunion. Like, mm-hmm. She clearly is upset that Ashley has chosen Monique's side mm-hmm. and is But like to say, like, she's just trying to find a reason. Mm -hmm. And the reason is that Candace does shit that upsets everyone Mm -hmm. and that Monique is her friend and she's going to stand by her friend on good days and bad days and when she makes mistakes. And that's what Karen's trying to do also. 
Yeah, I think the problem for Candace is she's not inherently likable. So it's hard to empathize with her, even if she's in the right. And it also makes it look slightly suspicious when you see Giselle, like, going so hard in her defense, because it just shows you how little this is actually about Candace and more about, you know, other people's motives to pick a side and why. Um, It's tough. It's a tough situation, honestly, just overall. It totally is. Do you watch the people, not the people's couch? What is it called? After show? No. What's the one where it's like Giselle is on Chat room. Yeah. Chat room. So they've talked about this a few times on chat room and it seems like Giselle and Portia have very differing opinions Mm -hmm. on all of this. Do you think they are just like colleagues or do you think they like can't stand each other? (laughs) Who is the they? Um, Portia and Giselle. Oh, I don't, I mean, I haven't seen the full episode, but I saw some clips earlier. I don't think that there's anything... I, I don't think that there's any ill will. I think those are two yeah, like they just have different super professional views. women who have different views. And it's also different talking to someone about a franchise who happens to be inside of the franchise because right. they're going to, it's like they're making decisions and how they communicate for the sake of their job and the narrative plus how they actually feel. But I thought like the, the, the thing that they were, I mean, I, I, I don't, I, it was long just story long. I don't yeah. think that there's any like, I don't think there's anything bad, them. but it was yeah. just, it seemed like in that moment that Portia wanted to say more than she did. Um, and Giselle well, was so interesting because she was like, well, to this day, Monique has not apologized. Mm-hmm. And I mean, is there an opportunity for Monique to apologize? Like, I don't think after charges are filed, I don't think should be, I don't think that's a good idea yeah. for her legally to, right. why would she, there is exactly. the, the span of time in which she should have apologized is between the altercation and when charges were filed, which is what yeah. we were talking about before. After that point, I don't see any reason. It wouldn't make any sense. She's not going to be like, by the way, you're planning to sue me and you're taking me to court. I'm so sorry about that thing I did. It's why she filed, filed counter charges because, you know, they were trying to put this to bed. Oh, what else happened this episode? My, I'm kind of going all over the place. Um, we saw Ray and Karen go on a walk with some mm-hmm. deer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, he says that she's changed and fame has really gone to her head. And and she wants to work on it. But she also thinks that he can't be stubborn and stuck in his ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, what do you think of kind of their dynamic right now? And I mean, I think he's pretending to talk about the fragrance, but he's talking about her being on the show. Yes. And... I don't know. I, I mean, like my instinct is to always defend Karen. Um, and I also think, you know, that scene from last week or the week before where he's like, I think I love you is tough. And so I can't get that out of my head, even if he's like making some sort of critique about their relationship that may be accurate. Um, Cause I'm thinking back in my head, like, Ooh, there's some shit that you need to figure out. Um, so I don't know. I mean, like, I, I don't really know because this is the first season that we've really gotten what feels like a really honest, um, you know, look inside their dynamic. So when he's critiquing it, I don't really have a lot of information to go off of, you know, like ask me next season, you know, like, yeah, as of right now, I can only say it seems to be that in real time, Karen is agreeing with some of the stuff that he said back then. So my guess is that whatever friction was happening has been sorted out. Um, it's, you know, it's tough because we just really haven't seen enough. I think that there, that applies to several relationships on Potomac where we haven't necessarily seen 
Um, like Giselle and yeah, Jamal and Jamal. We have not really seen them together very often. That's for the best. That's probably for the best. I'm okay with that's (laughs) the one where I'm like, you can hold off. That one is wild. Um, we've seen probably too much of Ashley and Michael. I'm interested in the Wendy and Eddie dynamic. Mm-hmm. I like Chris and Candace and I like Chris and Monique. Yeah. I really like Chris Samuels a lot. I've gotten some, um, AGs, some Andy Scrolls listeners have sent me some really, um, I thought really smart counters, um, to, uh, some stuff that I've said about, um, Chris, uh, on Andy Scrolls. That I thought was really smart where they were like, well, remember, blah, 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 which, I always really appreciate, but I really just do like him. I just think he's so likable and he seems, um, there's so many aspects of him that seems so deeply like emotionally mature and his reaction to the altercation where he's like, this is not okay. I think was really necessary and, Mm -hmm. you know, supporting his wife in that, um, really vulnerable meeting with their, um, pastor person and, and first lady, I thought was really great. And, um, yeah, I like, I, I like both Chris's a lot. The, the spouses on Potomac, I think are like the strongest, greatest, just inherent guys, regardless of what kind of relationship they're in than probably any other franchise. And many of them seem to be like fine with their wives being on it. Obviously Ray isn't, um, but it's not like they're trying to become the star the way that like a PK tried to, or the way that all the men on Jersey tried to mm-hmm. were like, they want to be part of the story too. Mm-hmm. You know, it seems like Chris, just like both Chris's just kind of like let their wives lead center stage. Yeah. Center stage. Yeah. I think that's great. I, I think that's great. I really, I think the husbands on Potomac don't get enough credit. And I think that they all seem like really solid people aside from Michael Darby, who is trash. Yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely. Well, speaking of Michael Darby, we also got to see Ashley's uncle, um, this Mm. uncle lump. And so Mm -hmm. she goes over to see her uncle, which sort of like raised her partially after her dad Mm -hmm. abandoned her and her Mm -hmm. mom. And he has some pretty harsh words for Michael. Mm -hmm. He just, um, and he says that Michael, basically, um, when you make the kind of mistakes that Michael made, you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And you need to ha- have more interest in your family than in your penis, you know, mm-hmm. wise words. And, um, what's so interesting is he says, you know, Michael hasn't come around here. He hasn't faced us since what he did. Oh, that's a really interesting. And point. that I thought was interesting. And Sheila, Ashley's mom is like, mm-hmm. yeah, he has to come to us and like also apologize to us, like to apologize to you, show us he cares, you know, avoiding us right he's now like as a, a family shit. he's such a fucking kid is, he's a it's child. not helpful and it's so interesting that ashley's immediate reaction is kind of like she's trying to protect michael yeah but, you know but well, that's who she's married to i mean it makes know, sense but... it's not going to be i wish ashley was in a relationship with someone that <laughs> i feel as an outside stranger who doesn't know them um <laughs> that was deserving of her, of her. you know she's yeah. with someone where she has to lower herself to be at his level and that's a really difficult thing to watch especially when you're watching someone who also happens to be a totally new parent dealing with i'm sure you know that a nor- I, I can't imagine the 
hormonal shift, the, the sense of 24 oh. seven vulnerability, because you are directly responsible for keeping this kid alive every day. Like yeah. shout out to all the parents. I don't know how they're doing it right now, especially like literally right now in the time of COVID, but it just feels especially disgusting that he takes advantage of her safety, like emotionally and otherwise right now, it feels like yet another way to self-sabotage and harm his wife. Like, I don't know another way to put that. That feels theatrical as I say it out loud, but that's what he's doing at the end of the day. Like he's doing these things, knowing he's a public figure and he knows she's going to find out. He knows she's not going to be thrilled. And he knows that he's been the subject of enormous speculation for seasons. And yet he still does it. You know, it's just the I think mark he gets of a- off on it. Of course he does. And there's something you know? to do with, you know, not with this hotel situation, but just thinking about, no. um, you know, the, the camera guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's something weird there where it has to do with him getting off on not having consent in the way of him getting off on being the one in control and getting yes. to decide. And I don't think it's funny and I don't think it's a joke. And I was uncomfortable with how it was treated on the season four reunion. And I'm just really grateful for the sake of that person. And also the cameraman from the other incident and whomever else has unfortunately had one as well, that there's some sort of footage. So you can't say this has never happened before, but he's yeah. just a gross guy. And I don't really, uh, he's, he's- one of the worst he's one of the the worst worst house husbands because like he doesn't even help with the kids you know like if you were to see a Shane on OC a lot of people hated him but at least Mm -hmm. he you know is a decent dad according to Emily Mm -hmm. you know like there's so many crappy husbands who are not nice to their wives but at least are helpful around the house (laughs) you know what I mean or like you know he just seems to like I don't know. It's like the kids are Ashley's responsibility that all these things are her responsibility and he is just there and she has to take care of him too. His it's all about his needs, his wants. Does he have adult children? He does. I don't know if they're adult, but they're probably like teenagers. Teens teens plus. Yeah. I wonder why we don't hear about them. I'm sure it's because they're private people and I'm sure their mother also doesn't want them filming. I if they're if they're under 18 sure, that's the right yeah dis- even if they're not I'm sure yeah, yeah, that that's yeah. the right call um especially with everything that's being talked about with their dad I, I don't see that working out in anybody's favor um yeah it's tough it's really it's it's tough honestly there's no other way to put it it's unfortunate I'm curious to see how he'll try to gaslight whomever about this latest thing and <laughs> it was I a don't joke know. we were having fun and like I can just see them I just laughing. don't think it's Ugh. funny I think and I don't think Andy helps in those situations either because it feels I like know. he treats it as a joke too and I just don't think I just I think it's also because we're like women seeing yeah. this that's a different perspective where we're used to our spaces being violated and not being thrilled about it yeah. <laughs> that like seeing this shit happen it's like cool well I've had x experience in life and and it just makes me like the you know we've we all have stories and so I feel like I have no choice but to immediately instinctively empathize with whomever is being violated at whatever level and I I don't love it it's it's a dark I think it's a little bit of a dark cloud over you know the greatest single greatest housewives franchise on tv 
It is so great. And I'm glad people are getting to see the DC area because they film so much in DC. Like a lot of the B roll is streets mm. in DC, like near my work, like, you know, the restaurant that Candace went to with her friend, what was it? Cliff, the guy with who's doing the hat work. <laughs> Yeah, this like big hat. I was like, oh, I know where that is. You know, like they film in DC a lot more than they do out in Maryland. So, and Potomac is like, what's the food and beverage situation but, like over there? It's, it's like, not great. Not like it, Potomac is much more of a residential area. It's where mm-hmm. a lot of really wealthy homes are. Mm-hmm. It's right on the Potomac River. Bethesda has more places to meet. But again, that's quite far from where Candace and Ashley live. And so, Ashley lives in Northern Virginia, which is right across the river from downtown DC. And whenever Mm -hmm. Ashley has scenes, a lot of times she's in Northern Virginia. Um, Mm -hmm. And whenever Candace films, she usually likes to film um, in DC. Mm -hmm. I've noticed. And she went to Howard, which is, I live a few blocks from Howard university, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And so I think they also, um, there's certain areas of DC that are not very busy during the week in the evenings, because there are areas where people go work and not really where people live. And I've noticed they find a lot of those restaurants to go to. So when the restaurants don't seem that crowded, it's because they like find restaurants that a lot of people lunch at like business lunch places. Like, you know, like, you know, in in Manhattan where you're like, Oh, no one really like lives here. This is like Mm -hmm. where a bunch of people work, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's where they go to a lot of those restaurants. They're really nice and they're Mm -hmm. still open for dinner but it's more like business dinners and not like people who live yeah. in the area. Like their meat and potatoes are like the billable hours where you're yes. going to like do a thing with your clients or whatever, where it's business. Yeah. We're totally. there. And it's like very upscale, very elegant, a hundred percent. Yeah. There are a lot of places like that in New York. Yeah. I wish I knew when they were filming though. I would like love to. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm sure Find you them. know the streets are talking about, when it happens, right? I Don't know. you think that Maryland Twitter lights up? Sometimes. I mean, this was okay. so long ago. This was all filmed a year ago. So it's just really hard to like remember exactly what happened then. But Amanda Page and I are talking about potentially going to the winery where the altercation happened. <laughs> oh, who are Amanda Page? Or is that what Amanda person? Page has the It's All Happening podcast. She oh, just started great. that podcast. Oh, and awesome. so she lives north of Baltimore. I live in DC. Oh, and we were awesome. talking about maybe she was like, well, when COVID's over. And I was like, we no, we have to stop saying when COVID's over. Like <laughs> We can, like, put on masks and go outside somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and she's like, yeah, like maybe, you know, somewhere in between. And I was like, oh, we could go to the Poolsville <laughs> Rockland Winery. Oh my God. <laughs> Raise a glass. I you love know? that. I love so that. I think I want to find a lot of places where they filmed and where interesting things have happened in this area and oh like God, check it that. out places that are, you know, COVID safe and then report back to everyone. I mean, I walk by the Regency constantly. Oh my God. <laughs> I so love weird that. that that's now an institution. Every time I walk by it, I have like a little chuckle because it's just like literally a currently closed hotel bar that I've been inside, but it's like really, truly not a place where Upper East Siders go to see and be seen. I don't, it, a certain kind of like extremely bougie person would, but it's not, it's not like the Carlisle or something. So it's so funny. Right. That it's now iconic. It's so iconic. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for joining. Can you tell of everyone course. like where they can find all things Sarah Galley, like your podcast, Absolutely. social media? Uh, well, first off, thank you for having me. This was this so was much so fun. fun. 
and people can listen to Andy's Girls, a Real Housewives podcast, anywhere you listen to your favorite pod. So Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, uh, all those Google podcasts, all those great places. And Andy's Girls is a mix, you know, of um, C-SPAN and Lyanla Fix My Life. So it's all about, it's not a recap show. It's all about just picking apart the minutia of the women's behaviors on screen and sometimes off. And um, I'm on Instagram at Dame Galley. Dame Galley. Hmm. I give myself a little I echo. I love that. <laughs> Cheers to me. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much for being on. Best of luck with your you. uh, nose. Oh, thank you. And with your night guard and Dr. <laughs> Muhammad's work. <laughs> thank you. Shout out to Dr. Right? Muhammad. Like- An angel. A, a teeth angel. Yes. <laughs> I know I have a very close relationship with my dentist now, Dr. Elder in DC. Fantastic. The the most personable, honestly, the bedside manner that Dr. Muhammad has is just impeccable. I I know. And he looked at my, my, my smile and he was like, um, we're going to fix that. (laughs) There we go. It was like blood and things are missing. And I was like, you know, I was like, I think I found part of the teeth on the baby. (laughs) Anyways. On that note. Um, <laughs> on that note, well, thank you so much for joining and we will have to chat again soon. I will let you know how the winery is out yeah, in Poolsville, Maryland. Please do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Take care. Also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous walrus, the bulbous walrus. The name your price tool. Only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law.